Starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV, do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Well, hello there. Welcome to my podcast, But Ma, That's My Favorite Movie. And I am your host, B. Day. So if you're new to this podcast, what I do is introduce movies by having a different theme each episode. I'll talk about two movies that have a plot that centers around the subject of the theme for that episode. I'll introduce the movies by giving a summary of the beginning of the movie up until the major plot point. So I don't spoil the ending just in case you're interested and want to check the movie out. Now, today's episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite Dad in a Movie. But before we get into the theme, I want to let you know about our social media and my website. I am available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please follow our social media pages for a sneak peek about upcoming episodes. And I do that by playing a game called Guess the Theme Slash Movie. My website is butmawthatsmyfavoritemovie.com. And on that site, you are able to write reviews, give movie or theme suggestions, and more. All the handles to the social media and link to the website are in the show notes slash description box below. Make sure if you're loving the episodes to shout us out by tagging our pages on social media or giving us a review on Apple Podcasts slash the website. If you do, you will get a shout out on one of my episodes. Now, today's theme is dads in a movie. So since Father's Day is here, well, I'm probably going to have this posted after Father's Day because, you know, procrastination. But I still feel like it's important to celebrate the dad because sometimes they don't get enough credit. And so I wanted to highlight movies that represent dads really stepping up to the plate to take care of their children, to help take care of the household. And, you know, just really stepping up and doing what needs to be done. All right, so let's go ahead and get into these movies. Lights, camera, action. Daddy's got to bring home the bacon. Not only does he bring home the bacon, but he's got to cook it too. That quote is by Ted Kramer, the character who is played by Dustin Hoffman. The first movie we're going to talk about is Kramer vs. Kramer. And this movie was released December 19th, 1979. And this movie I had never previously heard about. So this is a new movie alert to me, my first time seeing it. And it was recommended by my father because he thought this was a really good movie. And he told me about this movie last year when we did the episode together. So then this year, I was like, I knew I had to do this movie. Now, this movie is actually based on the novel by the same name, which is written by Avery Corman, and it was published in 1977. He also wrote, Oh God, The Bust Out King and The Old Neighborhood. And Robert Benton actually wrote the screenplay 
and directed the movie. And he also wrote uh, Bonnie and Clyde and Places in the Heart. All right, let's go ahead and get into the summaries. So Joanna is putting her son Billy to sleep. And Ted, who was the husband, is at the office, kicking back with his boss, sharing a story about a coat he was going to buy because of one of the new positions that he was going to get, which was like creative director. Now, I think he was talking about it, like the possibility of getting the position, because I'm not sure if he quite had it yet. But anywho, so he realizes it's late and he tries to head home, but his boss is persistent with walking with him because he wants to tell him about this huge account that he's been assigned to. So of course, you know, Ted can't pass up that conversation. So he allows his boss to walk with him, which causes him to be even more late with coming home. Now, meanwhile, Joanne is still in the room with her son and after he's fallen asleep, she's embracing him. She's embracing him almost like she's going to see him for the last time. So she ends up after that going to pack her bag and essentially it looks like she's leaving. Now, once Ted finally does get home, first off, he doesn't have his key, so he has to knock on the door. She opens it. You know, he kind of walks in nonchalant. You know, he tells her like, hey, you know, I got this really big account and he's kind of having regular conversation. And then she just blurts out, I'm leaving you. Now, at first, he's kind of in shock and doesn't believe it. And she tells him, I've already paid all the bills. Here's all my credit cards. Here's the ticket to dry cleaning. You have to pick this up on Saturday. And she's giving him all these instructions and already has set up for him to be prepared. So like, hey, I did all this now because you didn't normally do this, but I'm going to leave. So you're going to have to, you know, obviously take control of it. And he initially doesn't believe it because one is really random. He doesn't expect this at all. Nothing made him think that she would want to leave him. And so Joanne ends up walking out the door because she's at this point like, okay, I already told you what I was going to do. I'm done. And so she walks out the door with her bag and he like snatches her bag from her. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, like what happened? Like, let's slow down for a minute. Like, let's figure out what's going on. She's already made up her mind. She's ready to go. And she even tells him that she isn't going to take their son because she doesn't feel like she's a good mother to him. And she also tells him that she doesn't love him anymore, which I'm pretty sure that could be very hard to hear from someone that you've been with when you're expecting to be together for the long haul. And when you also have no idea that they have been thinking about leaving you or that they've been unhappy in the relationship, obviously there's been a communication issue or maybe she has expressed stuff and maybe he's kind of taken it with a grain of salt. I'm not quite sure, but from what we get from their interaction, it seems like she's made up her mind and this has not been previously discussed at all because this has completely blindsided him. So he does try to get her to stay, but she refuses to. And so Ted isn't sure what to do because he's like, okay, I just got this huge account. My wife is leaving me and I have this little son. And so initially, like once she leaves, it's the next day. He's holding out hope that maybe she was just upset and she's going to come back. And so he attempts to make breakfast for Billy and that doesn't go well at all because he's not used to doing that. He's used to relying on his wife. So then that doesn't really go well. Billy's late for school, but he ends up getting him there. He's almost late for work. And then when he goes to work, he tells his boss that his wife had left and his boss actually recommends to him 
to send Billy off with a relative because he's like, you're going to be really busy at work. You don't have time taking care of like a toddler. Well, he's not a toddler, but like a kid. You don't have time to take care of like a kid that's like, you know, five, six years old. And Ted refuses to do that. And he makes the choice to manage raising his son and taking care of him while balancing his busy work schedule. Cause he feels like I can do both. Even though this wasn't in his plans, he doesn't want to just send his kid off somewhere. He feels like, okay, I'm having to take responsibility of this. Also, he's really holding out hope that she's going to come back. So he, he, that's not even in his plans to do anything like that. But now this is an opportunity to allow Ted to really spend time with his son because he hasn't. But of course, it's going to have its ups and downs. He's going to learn things as he goes. And he's now forced to do everything for his kid when before it was all handled by Joanna. And Billy is also having to adjust to this new situation because he's so used to his mommy being home, his mommy being there for him. And now she's suddenly gone and he's having to cope with this decision that he doesn't even really understand. Now, let's go ahead and get into the cast here. Um, Now we have Dustin Hoffman who plays Ted Kramer. And he was in Midnight Cowboy, Rain Man, and Tootsie. Then we have Meryl Streep, which Meryl Streep is in the lead of the most movies I've talked about with her in it, <laughs> I think at this point. Um, so I've talked about Doubt and Heartburn, which that was the Meryl Streep episode. I also did a solo movie episode where I talked about Death Becomes Her and then the recent episode, which was, I believe before this one, but Ma, that's my favorite wife getting revenge movie. And she played in she devils. So <laughs> I think she's the top runner at this point. Um, then we have Jane Alexander who plays Margaret Phelps. She was in the great white hope in the ring. Then we have Justin Henry who plays Billy Kramer. He played in 16 candles and my own worst enemy. We have Howard Duff who plays John Shaughnessy. He was in The Naked and No Way Out. We have George Coe, George Koo, who plays Jim O'Connor. He was in The Stepford Wives and Transformers Dark of the Moon. We have Joe Beth Williams, who plays Phyllis Bernard. She was in Poltergeist 1 and 2. Then we have Bill Moore, who plays Greason. He was in Devil's Advocate and the Law and Order TV series. All right, so some behind the scenes information. So the first piece of information we have here is the strength of the performances of the two leads can be at least partly attributed to what was going on in their private lives at the time. Dustin Hoffman was in the midst of a messy divorce while Meryl Streep was still recovering from the death of her lover, John Cazell. Uh, The second piece we have here is the highest grossing movie of 1979. The third piece we have is Justin Henry, the actor who played the little boy, Billy Kramer, retired from acting and went on to be a district manager in media sales. And sometimes it's like that. Some people go to Hollywood, they experience it, and sometimes they figure that's not something they want to do as a career. And it's funny because you have people who die to have that career and then some people who have it and then leave it. But you know what? It's all up to what people are willing to put up with. Um, also, with the next piece of information we have, when Justin Henry was no- nominated for the Best Actor in a Supporting Role Academy Award, Henry, at the age of eight, 
became the youngest person to be nominated for his award, as well as the youngest Oscar nominee in any category, a record which still stands as of 2020. And I do want to kind of retract something I said, because when I was talking about his age with him taking care of, so I guess probably around that age, he was probably around like seven, eight, because I said like five or six, but this boy was actually able to speak. He was able to, you know, walk and talk and all that good stuff. Um, so he was probably around that age, actually. All right. The next piece we have here is, okay, so we have actresses that turned down the role of Joanna. And then I have actors who turned down the role of Ted. So as far as actresses who turned down the role of Joanna, they offered the role to Goldie Hawn and Jane Fonda. I could have definitely seen Jane Fonda doing it. And I could have seen Goldie Hawn. Definitely Goldie Hawn. And I think that's funny that she's one of the ones who turned down this role. And she's also another runner up of probably being the most talked about in the movies within this podcast. Um, then we have actors who uh, turned down the role of Ted. We have Al Pacino, John Voight. I believe that's how you say Voight. I believe that's Angelina Jolie's dad. And yes, that is definitely him. <laughs> I had to look that up. Um, all right. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And also James Can. So those are the ones who actually turned down the role. Um, now I want to do like kind of thoughts like a thoughts kind of um section when I talk about the movies because I kind of give my thoughts throughout it um but I want to kind of do something where I give my thoughts of the movie now I'll be honest with you um this movie I feel as though it's one of the ones where I would have to like watch maybe a couple times to have a appreciation for it because initially me watching it I thought it was okay. Um, but of course, any of the movies I talk about on here do not feel as though whatever opinion I have that could sway you from doing it. Now, most of the time, I do not have a negative opinion because I don't like talking about the negative like opinion about stuff. Now, I'll kind of comment within like the story, talking about the characters and stuff. But the movie itself, I don't like just just being negative and nasty about a movie because everyone has their own work of art. And just because I may not be fond of it doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to watch it because there are people who really enjoy this movie. But to me, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess I was trying to figure out kind of, okay, what is good about this movie? Um, maybe because it was the fact of the switching roles Um, the content about, you know, a man, you know, having to take care of his child more than he ever has. And a woman's actually stepping out, which is, you know, different. And, and it could just be chopped up to their performances. What Meryl did, which I love Meryl Streep and then Dustin Hoffman, what he did with his character. Um, I I mean, I really don't have much to say. And I, like, I don't want to make that seem like in a bad way, (laughs) Cause it's not, but I'm going to make an effort and, um, definitely watch this movie again. Uh, cause I had to do that with breakfast at Tiffany's, to be honest, there's some where I have to kind of keep watching it to have like an appreciation for it. But 
Um, a lot of people enjoy this movie. You may very well enjoy this movie, um, especially if you want to get into the Father's Day, into the Father's Day spirit, and really just enjoy a movie highlighting, you know, dads and their experience raising children. Then it's a great movie for that. Um, and also, it's it's just a fresh, I would say, a fresh perspective because normally we always see dad dads walk out on their kids. And we don't see it where moms do because moms are normally the nurturing ones. Even if they did leave, they'll take the kids with them. But this was a different type of story. So I think maybe that has a lot to do with it too. Is it's just a different take on that type of scenario. So let's go ahead and get into this next movie. Lights, camera, action. I understand that you little guys start out with your whoobies and you think they're great. And they are, they are terrific, but pretty soon a whoopee isn't enough. You're out in the street trying to score an electric blanket or maybe a quilt. And the next thing you know, you're strung out on bed sheets, Ken. That's serious. All right. That quote is by Jack Butler, who is played by Michael Keaton, one of my favorite actors. And the next movie we're going to be talking about is Mr. Mom. This is also a new movie alert because this is my first time watching this movie and I'll give you my thoughts towards the end. All right. So this movie was released August 19th, 1983. And the writer is John Hughes, who we talked about two of his movies in a episode dedicated to him, which was Weird Science and Breakfast Club. And then we have director Stan Dragoti, who also directed She's Out of Control and The Man with the One Red Shoe. All right, let's go ahead and get into the summary. So Jack has been worried about his job because there has been layoffs due to the lack of production because of sales. Now, he has a wife, two sons, and a daughter, and they are all very little. So he is the sole provider of his house. And his wife, Caroline, is a housewife who tends to the children's every needs, along with her husband as well. Now, Jack is an engineer at a car manufacturing plant. Um, so what he does when he goes to work is he actually carpools with three of his colleagues. And one morning he goes to work and he goes on the assembly line and he tries to be encouraging to the workers there um, because he notices, I guess, the morale is kind of low because... I'm assuming they have been experiencing layoffs like all throughout the company. So no one really knows who was safe at this point. And so he tries to be encouraging to them to tell them to, you know, hold on, be brave, like it'll be okay. And so Jack ends up getting called into the office um, and he goes to Mr. Latham's office, which is actually the guy who drives the car that he carpools with. And he finds two of his other colleagues in there as well. And all three of them drive the carpool because it's uh, it's Mr. Latham, Larry, and Stan. And so they're all in Larry's office and Jack comes in and he finds out that Larry and Stan have been laid off. And initially he's like, oh my God, you know, why would you lay off these guys after all they've done for you? And they tell him, oh yeah, well, you're laid off too. And so of course this freaks him out. They're all freaked out because you know, they're not sure what their next move is going to be. And so that evening, well, during the day of, obviously he's, he told his wife 
And then that evening, him and his wife have dinner together. And, you know, she tries to make the situation a little better, tries to make him his favorite meal, make sure the kids are out there to, like, greet him. And she's trying to lift up his spirits because she knows how, you know, upsetting this could be of him losing his job because he just did not expect any of this. And so he pretty much, you know, lets his wife know, like, hey, well, I have my severance package you know we have money put away so that this will be fine for now but of course you know the wife is like well for now like she doesn't want to rely just on that money and so he's like well you know I'm gonna plan on getting a job because I'm putting myself out there and she goes well what if I did the same And so then he sees this instantly as a competition because he's thinking in his head, there is no way you're going to get a job before me. Because if I can assume based on his character and how he is, because he's been in the field working, he assumes he can get a job before his wife because she's been a housewife for, I'm guessing some years or maybe since like their first kid was born and maybe she's been through all of the kids just been staying home since then. And so she previously had experience in advertising. So she was like, you know, I put my name out there. You know, if I get a job before you, I mean, we just need someone to be working. And so he makes a bet and she's like, I don't want to make a bet. Um, Cause she's, she thinks that's silly, but he wants to turn into a competition. And so he ends up losing the bet and she actually gets a job at an advertising firm. And so he must become the stay-at-home dad so the roles have reversed and he has to learn a lot about taking care of his kids along with maintaining the home all right let's go ahead and get into the cast so we have Michael Keaton who plays Jack we talked about him in the Halloween episode and he was in Beetlejuice and he also played Batman which is one of my favorite Batmans other than Christian Bale Uh, the next one we have is Terry Garr who plays Caroline Butler And she was in Tootsie, which was with Dustin Hoffman. So a little connection there. And she was also in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, Then we have Frederick Kohler, who plays the character Alex Butler. And they were also in Death Race and Domino. Then we have Taliesin Yaffe, who plays Kenny Butler. And he was in critical role which was a tv show and helsing tv show then we have martin mole who plays ron richardson and he also played in clue and jingle all the way then we have ann jillian who plays joan hampton she was in may west and gypsy then we have jeffrey tabar who plays jinx latham and he was in the tv series arrested development and how the grinch stole christmas the live action version And then we have Christopher Lloyd, who plays Larry. And he was in Back to the Future, 1 through 3, and Clue as well. On to the the behind-the-scenes information. So the first piece we have here is Michael Keaton turned down Splash that came out in 84 to do this movie. Uh, The next piece of information we have is the first major film role for Angelian after a 20-year hiatus. So I bet that felt you know, pretty good to be able to, you know, jump back into a movie. Um, then we have the third piece of information, which Stan Dragati ended up directing the film after John Hughes turned it down. Dragati preferred to make his movies in Chicago, not Hollywood. 
Uh, the fourth piece we have here is Ron Howard was asked to direct, but he turned it down in order to make Splash. So that's kind of a little funny connection there. So Michael Keaton turned down the movie Splash. And then we have Ron Howard turned down this movie to direct Splash. The last piece of information we have is this is the third feature film made by television producer Aaron Spelling, who recounted in his memoir, I couldn't find a film that was suitable to take my kids to. So we made one. All right. So let me go ahead and give my final thoughts within this movie. Now, I will be honest with you. I enjoyed this movie. I love Michael Keaton. So this wasn't too hard to get into. Uh, this movie, you don't really have to think too much into it. There's not anything you have to solve watching it or, you know, pay attention to a certain part so then you can be able to figure out what's going on in the plot. Um, it's an easygoing movie. It's funny. Uh, the kids were great. Uh, the mom was great. And they just have some really, really fun things within this movie. Um, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Well, that is all I have for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I have to say happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. I hope you really got to enjoy your day. I hope you got to spend time with friends and family. And then, of course, I want to say happy Father's Day to my father as well. Um, I hope he enjoyed his day and um, he'll probably be listening to this episode soon um, because he is one of my uh, biggest supporters. Um, so happy Father's Day to you. All right. Well, let me go ahead and thank my listeners. Thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast. If you're a returning listener, you're a real one. And if you're a new listener, thank you so much for stopping by listening to my podcast. And wait, I can't forget. If you have seen Mr. Mom or if you have seen Kramer vs. Kramer, please feel free to comment what you liked about the movie below. Let me know if you're going to check the movie out below. Um, also, if you have any fun facts or, you know, behind the scenes information you would like to share, or maybe there's a correction about something, do not be afraid to comment below because I want to interact with those who are listening to my podcast. I want to know your thoughts. What are some things maybe I could work on these episodes? What are some movies you would like me to talk about? Um, please comment below or you, you can reach me at my email, which is but ma that's my favorite movie at gmail.com. You can go on the but ma that's my favorite movie.com website. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So feel free to hit me up whenever. But that is all that I have for this episode. And you know what time it is. The show is over. The credits are rolling. And I'll see you at the next show time.